Welcome back to the Sports Booth Podcast. We're back a week again. Uh, yes, we a big are. week for Husey. Less of a <sighs> less of a big week. Well, half a good week for me, I must say. My national team won. My actual yeah. actual bloodline won. Uh, whereas Husey's yep. got the, got got the big the big one. A, a four zero performance. Four out of four for the New South Wales teams. Women's under 19, men's under 19, women's state of origin, men's state of origin. We actually went five from five because the New South Wales police beat the Queensland police in the New in the police state of origin, I think either last week or the week before. So uh, five from five uh, is what I'm taking out of this one so far. So yeah, well, well done to the Blues, the mighty Blues, a thumping of thumpings in Perth. We'll, we'll get around to rugby league and we'll discuss yeah. that game because a lot was said in our last week's podcast, especially about a couple of players that I'm sure Husey will love to hold me accountable for. Yeah, uh, a lot was said by one person in particular. No, well, uh, <laughs> let's we'll wait till we get there, and we will wait till we get there. But as yep. as as many of you know, we are rugby, rugby league, uh, a couple of American sports yep. chucked in the side there. Uh, so let's start with rugby uh, and some, yes. I guess, critical news for the England Australia well, series. Well, before we get into the series news, some much more important news is that uh, if you aren't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you head on over there now and subscribe and look at our latest video because we did uh, last night, we recorded prior to State of Origin, our Super Rugby, uh, our Sports Booth Super Rugby um, Awards show. The inaugural Super Rugby Awards, never been done before on on any level uh, by Super Rugby, and we we took the burden upon ourselves to organise an award show and recognise uh, the best players of the Super Rugby competition, the best teams, best coaches, best everything uh, of the year uh, for for Super Rugby. So make sure in Rugby News, make sure you head on over to the Sports with YouTube channel and check out that video. Hundred percent. I mean, uh, I said it in our in our Instagram post. Why not us? Why not yes, us? Exactly. No. No one else wants to why do it. Not, why not? Why us? not us? Mm. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> so yes, make sure you check that out. It's a good video. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun to make, and yeah. and some awards were sent out to some players. We'll just say that. Uh, yes. But for now, we're on to on a spiritual so, level. They were sent out. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll send some out eventually. Through, through we'll the biosphere. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, we will get on to now the actual actual rugby that is happening yes. on the field. Uh, a couple of. Key injury, well, one definite key injury loss. Uh, I wouldn't say key, but an injury loss for Australia in camp already, in a, in a critical position, I'll say. Mm. And then another player looking more and more doubtful in a key position, and then a player locked into a key position, maybe. So I'll let you, as yep. as, as our, our head wallaby man, uh, run us through those. So Harry Johnson-Holmes for the Wallabies A squad is out. I believe it's a torn Achilles. Um, so a nasty injury there uh, for Harry Johnson-Holmes, who uh, is, is a workhorse in the front row. Uh, then in terms of the doubtful, it looks like Taniel Tupo will be out of the first test against England this coming Saturday evening, which is, is a shame uh, for him. But... We were sort of discussing pre-podcast. That's probably the position that the Wallabies have got the greatest depth at. Um, and when you when you still got Angus Bell, Alan Alatoa, and numerous others in there ready to, to carry the, the torch, I think the Wallabies will be fine. Um, they will definitely miss him because he brings uh, playmaking ability outside of the prop position. Uh, but I, I think they will be... Uh, fine to go and I think the Wallabies uh, I was reading an interesting article today um, it has to do with our next 
news in the Wallaby out of the Wallabies camp as well, uh, where they were remarking that because Dan McKellar is in charge of the forwards for the Wallabies, there's this sense that the Wallabies forwards have got this great edge to them that they haven't had uh, in, in quite a while, where the forwards have sometimes been the detriment of the Wallabies. Now they're looking to turn it into the real strength uh, of the squad. Uh, and also mentioned in the article, and is our uh, latest rumour out of the Wallabies camp is that Quade Cooper is expected to be handed the number 10 jersey for the Wallabies uh, for the first test against England. Which I think is, is probably the right choice for the way he finished last season in that 10 yeah. jersey before you guys headed overseas and then kind of the the halt you hit when you went overseas without him. So uh, I think it's the right decision. Unfortunately, yeah, Tanahela Tupo looking unfit. It's disappointing because of the rugby he can play is exciting for everyone to watch and, and the more time he can spend on the field, the better it is. Um, and then obviously Harry Johnson home is, is guttering. More for himself rather than a, yeah. a rugby... Sp- I don't know if he would have seen as much game time for the Australian team as as, as probably some of those other props in there, but definitely yeah. just for, for himself and for a New South Wales fan. It's, that's a 12, 12-month injury, so he'll be now battling, battling to try and get back at least to the start of the season next yeah. year for Super Rugby. So a bit, a bit sad all around, but again, a good, good hopeful lead-up to the uh, first... First international, uh, and you'll probably see our predictions come out later this week with how we think the international series are going to go. Uh, but yeah, I think, to be fair, looking across them all, I think the England-Australia one, as much as I always love to, to hype up my All Blacks, and the All Blacks Island series looks great, I think that is the, the series to watch. The way England kind of coming off the back with uh, the Barbarians game and, you know, Eddie Jones and everyone's kind of going, what's yeah. going on here? The way Australia have improved um, throughout the year in Super Rugby, those talking points, and then just the English-Australian rivalry as it, as it is, is is another one there that kind of it stands out as a series to watch. So I'm certainly, I'm going to the game in Sydney, but their first game, I believe in Perth as well, uh, a sellout crowd out there will be very exciting. On to the New Zealand news yes. now. The All Blacks, uh, fortunately, have been bitten by a bit of a COVID bug um, mm. flying around camp. So Coach uh, Foster, uh, Assistant Coach Plumtree, and two centres in Jack Goodhue and uh, David Havili have all been ruled out. Uh, I believe another coach has also been ruled out since that. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see a couple more players uh, potentially drop out. But... Those are that's some big news, you know. A week away, they won't be with the team for that game. Uh, it means Joe Schmidt comes into the into the coaching staff, which I don't think is a bad thing when you're about to take on mm. Ireland, who he coached for so long. Uh, and then what it opens up now is the inside centre position, the number twelve, second five eight for all the Kiwis out there. It is it is it was a, it was a talking point that I think David Harvey had earned the right to to start in that jersey through his performances with the Crusaders in, in the back end of the season. Now now that he's not there, it's, it opens the, the, the door for someone, even a potential Roger Tuivasa-Sheck, to get a start in there. Quinta Pai is there and will more than likely run out, I think, on the Saturday squad, where, uh, Saturday when the squad gets announced. And, and I don't think that would be the wrong call. But but again, it potentially also opens the door to seeing Geordie Barrett move into the 12 role, which I've been screaming for and, and hoping. But that kind of gives some excitement as we go in there. I think centre was already Riki Ioani's position as long as he was healthy, um, but Braden Enor has come into the squad to take over uh, that Jack Goodhue left position. But other than that, not a lot of a lot of news out of the New Zealand camp for squad wise. Just the mm. the COVID sh- strike that they've had um, has kind of put them on the back foot a little bit, which yes. again is is a daunting prospect because you never this New Island kind of set up in the New Island side 
you don't want to be on the back foot. And I know we, we obviously haven't lost to Ireland in, in New Zealand ever, so you'd say that we're still the favourites, but it does, it, it, it's a... It's a little. It's a body blow. I'd say it's a body blow yeah. if we're going into a, you know this this three match series. If you're thinking of it as a twelve round heavyweight fight, and this first test is 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 four rounds. I think we've lost round one. You know the pre game, yeah. the mental side of it. We've lost round one. Rounds uh, two to four, we can fight our way back and, and, and get ourselves back into this heavyweight contest. But I think uh, yeah, round one goes to the Irish just for preparation. And again, out of out of out of the All Blacks yeah. control. You you different sports but you could see in the nrl when head coaches have been taken out with COVID, it has or other illnesses in the case of ivan cleary it has had an impact on the team uh you know penrith's been lucky enough in, in some of their games that they've played without ivan cleary that haven't gone up against necessarily the best competition but i think it, the game that they lost to the eels cleary wasn't there uh he, he was out with illness and things like that uh and you know uh, the Sharks, they didn't have Craig Fitzgibbon for the first game of the season. They lost that one to the to the Raiders and stuff like that as well. So uh, you could you could see the impact that it has when uh, coaches are missing, when people are missing due to COVID. So uh, it, it definitely does make it more interesting because, as you said, New Zealand's never lost to Ireland in New Zealand. But now there's that little what if. Um, and if I didn't know better, I could, would say that it's almost a marketing ploy by New Zealand rugby to get more people interested. Like, <laughs> oh, maybe this is maybe this is how New Zealand loses. Maybe this is this is it. And then they can always add the asterisks onto it. Oh, yeah, but we had all these COVID cases anyway. So it's a win-win situation for New Zealand there. Uh, but that's we're getting into our rugby conspiracy theories there, and that's a whole separate podcast that oh, you can we, go. Can, we can definitely <laughs> dive into that one day. <laughs> so we can talk about the old 1995 World Cup, and we can go real deep into some conspiracy theories here, mate. Don't you? Even Worry. Yeah, I've got them lined up as a New Zealander, uh, but we've got oh, a lot sure. of good. We've got a lot of good rugby. Nothing that a New Zealander likes more than to to be an underdog and to find reasons to to. Uh, for, it's just like being a Queensland. It's no wonder you support the Maroons. Any way that you can find to say that, oh, poor us, or it's we're just tiny little New Zealand. Don't, everyone that picks on us, uh, yeah, whatever reason. Small you can population find. of just absolute troopers. That's what we are. Yeah. And, you know, like we're always in the battle. And to be fair, we are the underdogs. And I would even, I would, I would, I would say now after after this new breaking news, we could be the underdogs yeah. to Ireland right now. Like uh, okay. there, there, there is some serious competition coming from this island squad. So yeah, I'll take the underdog reign. Um, but we. <laughs> We do have some very good footy uh, ahead of us. So yes. uh, if it wasn't um, announced, uh, I believe it is soon. I've, I've seen the Mouldy squad for the New Zealand Mouldy team has been announced. I haven't seen the Ireland squad to be announced for their game on Wednesday. So stay tuned for updates on that one, uh, the New Zealand Mouldy against Ireland, and which is probably the strongest New Zealand Mouldy team um, I've ever seen. TJ Perinara and Brad Weber co-captaining and would probably walk into just about any other international side, the two of them. So uh, that is a very strong team, and it wouldn't surprise me if they knock over this Ireland team because, again, they've got mm. a game on Saturday, so it won't be the strongest Ireland side. It'll probably be the fringe players uh, that they've brought over with a couple of maybe bench reserves. So, yeah, watch that game for, for, for some highlights at least. And then onto the weekend, we've got we've just got games everywhere. Uh, it's Romania against Italy. USA against a French Barbarian side, Australia A against Samoa in the Pacific Nations Cup with Fiji against Tonga, and then we get into the big boys, which is Japan versus France, which is that that's it's an intriguing series. I saw yeah. Japan play Uruguay uh, on the weekend and didn't look as convincing. It was it wasn't probably first grade Japan, but um, it was a. Uh, Good enough team to get the job done, but it wasn't as convincing as I uh, would have liked from Japan as they go into a, 
against a very tough French side. Then we've got New Zealand versus Ireland and then Australia versus England. And then on the Sunday, South Africa versus Wales in their series to kick that off. Argentina versus Scotland, uh, which is going to be, I must say, probably as as even as a series out there as well. Uh, as much as I've seen yep. England and Australia is the heavyweight, I would I can't wait to see kind of the results of those that series. After Pablo Matera... Um, and I know Checa is involved with the uh, the Argentinians, so I think they're yep. they're a strong side, and you can't ever doubt Scotland. Uh, and then you've got Canada and Belgium to finish it off. I know as a bit of footy, wow. um, yeah. so a lot of good footy. Stay tuned; we'll keep you up to date on all of those, and uh, we will have our picks up later in the week for that one. Should be Shall a we great weekend of rugby. Well, I just think it's it's a really great time of year now. You know, it's the middle of winter. Rugby and rugby leagues on every channel uh, almost every day of the week. And it, it is a good transition to rugby league because we just had in rugby league uh, the, the rep round. So a lot of international games uh, being played on the rugby league side of things. And now we've got all these uh, rugby games coming out as well. So uh, look, if you like flinging an egg-shaped ball around the park, <laughs> it's a great couple of weeks for you. A hundred percent. And even, even uh, again, another similar slightly egg-shaped ball and, and American football yeah. news starts to hype up as we're, I believe, yep. uh, just about a month away from a first pre-season game. So yes. it's a lot of egg-shaped football going everywhere and news dropping mm-hmm. everywhere. But let's move on to the NRL side of uh, this this world or the NRL, yes, the rugby league that. side. Uh, let's start with the mighty Kiwis. No, uh, let's <laughs> let's start with Rip Round. Um Obviously, let's. I think we break this down into international and and yeah, and then state of origin, and then state of origin, and go through those scores. Yeah. Um, so international, Lebanon bit Malta thirty to fourteen on the Wednesday game, uh, and then we got onto the big boys, the Islanders, New Zealand, uh, beating Tonga quite convincingly twenty six six in what yeah. I can only say is probably the best New Zealand team we've seen in a while. Uh, mm. Samoa then handled Cook Islands forty-two to twelve with David Nofaluma looking like an absolute scary beast. And then Papua New Guinea, the surprising winners over Fiji. I don't think yeah. if, we were, if we were to do a tips, which we didn't do tips for the uh, this round, yeah. I would imagine I would have gone Fiji, and I would have gone Fiji by a decent yes. margin. So that was good. Uh, Justin Oldham, I know, put on a show. Yeah, uh, so that little Gary, kick in for, for kick in for the other player to get the try. Yeah, yeah that, was that was incredible. Yeah, that was that was Melbourne Special. Storm like taught at its best. That's where you just see you can see that 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 coming out of him. So did you want to do good? Uh, bad and ugly for the whole round. Yeah, I think yeah. I think so. But okay, so let's yeah, let's go into the, on the state of origin. Just quickly scores. on the on the on the internationals uh, games uh, before we do get into good, bad, and ugly. Just a quick little chat about them. I think it's fantastic. I, I watch a lot of those games. It's high quality um, footy, and yeah, look, uh, it's definitely not the the rugby league World Cup is definitely not going to be a one team. Uh, competition. Um, though Australia are heavy favourites, I feel like there is uh, a lot of quality in New Zealand. Like as you said, very scary looking team. Uh, but the but Samoa as well. I think they probably disappointed themselves their last time they played internationally, and they look to have uh, really put together a strong team as well. So um, I think international rugby league is due for a bit of a. Uh, a surge in, in quality and hopefully that leads to a surge in interest uh, as well because uh, look, we're fans of rugby, we're fans of rugby league and if we could get spoiled by having two really great quality World Cups, one that's a league, one that's a union, fantastic. But look, that's gonna, that's well into the future because rugby World Cup is just it's just special. So, it, it's, But it's good to see league 
attempting to get to the same level on that front. Yeah, and I think that the growth of their uh, their Pacific Nations has definitely helped. Like that, even though that Tongan yeah. game where it was a convincing winner, that Tongan team being strong enough and kind of putting their hand up, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from England. Uh, it's it's going to be a great a great World Cup at, at, at the end of the mm. year. So yeah, I'm excited. Shall we run through? Uh, I don't have the scores handy, maybe you do, but the State of Origin rip round. Yeah, uh, I believe I have some of them handy. So all I can see at the moment, uh, here we go, I do have it here. So first we had the under-19s. So we had uh, the New South Wales women's under-19s versus the Queensland women's under-19s. New South Wales won 22-6. Very nice there from the young ladies. There's a fantastic length of the field try from the New South Wales fullback. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and just within her own goal line, picked up tiptoeing along the dead ball line and running and just knifing through the Queenslanders. So really well done there uh, from the ladies. Then we had the men's under-19s. New South Wales also won this one 32-4. Uh, pretty convincing there from the young blues um, and a couple of young uh, stars to keep uh, your eye out for in that game as well. So go and watch the highlights. Um, and of course, a couple of them are uh, Penrith uh, players as well. So somehow, so not only are they in the, they dominating the men's squad, but uh, the regular men's squad, but they're dominating the under 19s as well. So look, definitely uh, have a look. I think Thomas Weaver is one of the big names to, to keep an eye on out of the, Men's under nineteens for New South Wales. Was he the seven? Yeah, I believe so. You know where, who I he was for? So. Do you know who he's contracted to, mate? Thomas Weaver. No. Well, I can tell you. Remember the yeah. The Gold, Gold Coast, Coast Titans. Titans. Gold yeah. Coast Titans. I don't know how we managed that one, but we did. Uh, actually, what I was really impressed was with the number six. I don't think I can pronounce his name, Jack Pizik or something like that. Uh, he was he was on fire. He got about four or five try assists, and uh, he signed yep. to the Melbourne Storm. So apparently, he is Cam Munster's backup in the uh, yeah. uh, you know replacement in the waiting. So he was fantastic yeah. as well. Jo- Jonah Pezet, I think that's the one. That's Pizik. the one. Pizik. yeah. Yeah, so he, yeah, I saw that as well. Like, Jesus, this guy, he apparently had a, a mad game as well. And yeah, Thomas Weaver was the was the fly half. Um, so that was the under-19s. Then we come uh, to the over-19s, or the, the regular uh, state of origin. I don't know what the name for it is. I think over-19s is good, or the, the men's <laughs> and the women's, whatever you want to say. Uh, but the New South Wales women's, uh, in a close game against the Queensland Maroon women won 20 to 14. Some amazing tries and skillful play in, in those games from both from in that game from both sides. Uh, but the New South Wales women come away with a win. Uh, big try efforts, um, particularly special one from Emma Tonagato, who was the uh, uh, player of the year alongside Millie Boyle. Uh, she had a great try in the 13th minute. And um, the, the other one, Isabel Kelly, in the 67th minute, had a Absolute wonderful try. Stepped two Maroons out of their boots and fell across the try line. Uh, so really well done there. Uh, a couple of tries were disallowed from both sides, uh, but uh, neither of those really, I guess, uh, mattered in the end because of the the, the final scoreline. Both had tries disallowed uh, and a really uh, great game from both. 11,000 fans at GIO Stadium in Queensland. Uh, so that was a, a, good to see a lot of support. Canberra. Sorry, oh, Canberra. Sorry, I, I meant to say Can- I meant to say Canberra. I don't know why I said Queensland, but yeah, in Canberra. Sorry, uh, and yeah, it's great to see um, uh, lots of fans come out to, to support the women's game. I watched the game; it was really good. It's really good quality footy, and a lot of the 
hits like far out. I wouldn't want to try and tackle those players. The the ball skills were, were there as well. So the women's game is on the up and it, it's going to uh, be getting even better with the next NRLW season featuring 10 teams. I definitely think, I think it's the, the best sport of, uh, you know, our area to do women's sport, if you know mm. what I mean. Like, you look at the A-League, you look at AFL women's, you look at Super Rugby women, um, even netball. I reckon it's uh, it's going to be up there with netball very soon as uh, probably yep. one of the big the biggest sports. So, I think, uh, yeah, very well done to, to the National Rugby League and, and the NRL and everything for getting that done. Yeah. I, one of my favourite bits of the game was seeing the the post match uh, in the sheds. The the women were all singing the the Veronica's Untouched, and <laughs> I, I was disappointed we didn't see that recreated after the men's game. To be honest, I was really hoping uh, to see Junior Paolo, you know, rocking out to the Veronica's. But unfortunately, we didn't get that. Uh, but that brings us to the final uh, game of the State of Origin round. Uh, well. Well, what do we say other than what a shellacking by the Blues on the Maroons. 44 points to 12 at Fortress Perth, um, Fortress Optus Stadium, uh, now coming becoming a Blues stronghold, undefeated there, uh, the New South Wales, and it sets up a sizzling decider uh, in Brisbane. And there's already talks coming out um, about injury woes for both Queensland and New South Wales. Uh, Kalen Ponga is out this uh, weekend with injury and could be gone longer. Cam Munster is nursing a shoulder injury and could be out. And Payne Haas for New South Wales is nursing an injury as well. So yeah. a few players coming away a bit battered uh, from this game, uh, but probably none more so uh, than Ben Hunt, who got flung back several metres when C for Talakai took his first <laughs> run of the game, um, which as a Dragons fan, I didn't like to see because Ben Hunt was very ginger getting up from that or from from another hit. And I was just like, just get him off the field, Billy. He's done his job. You've got Harry Grant, get Ben Hunt off the field. Um, but yeah, man, what a game. And we, we actually got to, to watch that game together and uh, it, was, oh, it was special. Good fun. Absolutely great yeah. fun, I must say. You know, like, I don't, uh, weird things happen out west, you know. Everyone knows that. Weird, strange things happen out west. They live in a different time zone. People yeah. are a bit strange. So I'm putting it down to that because it, it, it was a strange shellac and it, was, it, felt, it felt weird. It felt as, a, as mm. a weird, weird big defeat. It didn't feel like a normal big defeat. You know, for 40 minutes we were in that game, but uh, it was just something wasn't quite right. And I don't know, something in the Perth water, it was... It was the Western Aussies mm. do; they do something mm. different. So um, I'm putting that over it. There must have been some some mojo going on, some some weird spirits well, I, up in the air. It's, it's something like that. I can't I can't I can't explain it speaking, any other way. Speaking about up in the air, Matty Burton, his bombs <laughs> and his general gameplay. Oh, no. So I want to I want to I feel I, I want to go back. I feel like someone on this podcast last week was talking about how Matt Burton was going to have. A horrible time oh, well, in Origin. Hold on, wait and, a and that he hadn't played center, hadn't trained at center for months, and uh, you know he's been playing five eight for the Bulldogs and this, that, and the other. I, I, I don't think it was me that was chatting that shit. I, I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what you're giving me right now. I am gonna take it because it's deserved. Yeah. But I must say, I think they used him a lot better than I thought they were gonna use him. Yeah. So they used him as a just about a, a third half, um, mm. and I thought that was so well done getting him to put those bombs up. Like again, he didn't do anything special in the centre role, and 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 the pick up from the try <laughs> is is a natural instinct. Like Burden's a great yeah. player. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying that, but in the centre, like he didn't have any 
burst in runs down her centres line. Uh, a lot of his good stuff was what I would call a good half play as well. Now, to say I was wrong, I was. I was wrong. Burden yeah. played better than I thought he was going to play. And I actually, making watching that, I was more nervous about when eventually this, this halves duo doesn't go so well in Clary and Luai because I think Burden is the number six of the future, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, when you've got Latrell coming back, when you've got Tommy Turbo coming back, Burden doesn't sit there. But if I go, you're selecting Luai or Burden, I'll go, pick Luai every time. I know as much as, again, this is not on Luai having a bad game, but what I saw from Burden, I'm like, Fuck me! If, if 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 he if he gets a six jumper in, in, in the Blues and the Blues get a roll on like they do, he's just going to add yeah. another a completely another thing, uh, uh, a completely another weapon to an already stacked side. So again, I would love to have seen if uh, the the Blues forwards weren't so dominant to see how he would react to that. I still think saying that he had a fantastic game without. Taking that away, you know, the couple of those skill set, the pick up from yeah. that grubber, the bomb and everything like that. So I will eat my own words and I will say, yeah, yeah. Burden had a good enough game. To I think, me the I fuck think up. he played well de- de- defensively as well in that centre position, which I think was, is honestly probably more important than him having a- attacking out of the centre position for, for New South Wales. Because we saw what happens when your centres can fall down, like when Stephen Crichton, you know, he just couldn't quite catch Kalen Ponga. And Stephen Crichton's a fast player and he's a good centre. He's, he's a great player. But it, sometimes it just takes a moment of indecision because he saw Valentine Holmes creeping in on the inside and he wasn't sure if his uh, lock was going to come across and take that tackle. It just takes that split second of decision-making at this level can just lead to, to tries. So that, for me, looking at Burton's game was going to be the biggest concern, was yeah. how does he hold up defensively? And he, he did well. And I think as a whole, New South Wales stood up defensively and that was the difference in this game. There was a level of edge to New South Wales this game that wasn't in in the last one. And I think, if I'm honest, I think they went into the first uh, game a little bit overconfident, a little bit like um, we were so dominant last year, we can do whatever we want to these guys and we'll come away with a win. Uh, And Queensland punched them in the face and it gave them a bit of a wake-up call. What I did like to see, especially was uh, Jake Trebojevic being back because, you know, he's not the most skillful ball runner. He's not the... He's not a nasty enforcer type, but what he is, is he's solid and dependable and makes his tackles. And he's he goes for 80 minutes and he never drops off. He he's From minute one to minute 80, he's the same player. He's consistent. And you look at the players they sort of took out of the squad to, to bring him in. Uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard, uh, Tarek Sims, right? They are good players and they are origin-level players but they're not as good as Jake Trebojevic, especially not the Jake Trebojevic we saw last night. Tarek Sims has a tendency to disappear at times, and he's a tendency to lose, to drop off tackles that he really should make. And it's the same with Regan Campbell-Gillard. He just doesn't have the same motor as Trebojevic to go the whole game, and he can lose uh, lose tackles occasionally when he, he runs out of fitness. Junior Polo as well, I like that they used him, it seemed that they used him a little bit less in this game, which is good because he had more energy. I think that's what Billy Slater was trying to do with Josh Papali'i, but he probably held on to Papali'i a little bit too long. And so I think Fittler's coaching calls in this game, not only in the selection, but in the rotation during the game, were really a key difference for New South Wales as well. Let's get into the good, bad, and ugly for the yes. rip round. Uh, my good, as I always start, is 
the big man, the number one for the Kiwis, because I can't choose anything to do with Queensland, Joey Manu, running for 404 metres, an absolute beast. Incredible. Uh, Incredible yeah. stuff. He, he was, was he needs both. to be paid a lot of money from someone. <laughs> again, I said it last time. I'll say it again. The uh, Warriors should open up a checkbook and say, sign for as much as you want. Uh, yeah, I think he could quite easily be the best number one in the world, given the opportunity. I mean, Tedesco put his hand up uh, against uh, the Queenslanders and really showed that he was is probably the best one in the comp and still deserves that spot. But I think going forward, Joey Manu must be either looking at a multi-million dollar deal uh, to play fullback for someone because of what I just saw. Uh, mm. On to the bad. Now, I'm going to pick out New South Wales. Now you Wales. can talk about Origin. <laughs> yeah, I am. And I'm going to pick about New, pick on New South Wales here. Now, the only bad thing is the selections from game one now look miserable. And what I'm saying mm. is... This could have been all over, realistically. I, if the yep. team that runs out for New South Wales this that that uh, in round two uh, in, in the second Origin game runs out for them in in game one, I think we have a two 0 <laughs> New South Wales lead. Like yep. the way Jakey Trubovich played, and you're just looking at, and I know some changes were forced, but Jakey Trubovich being left out was is one of the bigger brain explosions I think I've I've probably seen in a selection in a while, and I'm glad I'm glad. Footler stood up and made the change, and they said it was a lot of changes. I just think that one was was one that should have a hundred percent. Like yep. even him being in there, I think just about made the difference and could have made the difference in that first game. And that's again, I like agree, said, not against Regan Game Kennard or even Tarek Sims, but what 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 Trubovich op- offered was just was just incredible. So that's my bad, and it's more not not a bad like it's a good thing for as a Queenslander. I'll take that as a, as yeah. my good because uh, uh, we needed it. But yeah, uh, I'm looking at game three and going. We're going to need to find some answers pretty quickly. Um, the ugly Queensland in, in general, I think four zero is is a bad thing. Uh, the defense went to sleep after being made to work too hard. You can agree or disagree on the yellow card. I don't like the yellow card in former state of origin. Um, and and uh, I've seen plenty of articles since it saying, you know, it shouldn't be ref like club, like origin should be at standalone kind of refing and have it slight differently. But if we look at uh, club compared to origin and club, that's a yellow card 10 times out of 10. So I don't mind the yellow card being called. Yep. Consistency across it, if it had happened at the other end, I think there would have been a yellow card as well. So I'm not saying... You know, it was a bad call. I just think I, I dislike the yellow card because that was the point. Again, they came out and defended for so long. I think that that broke Queensland towards the end yep. of the game. They also made enough errors to force themselves to make D's during that time as well. So, you know, you can't you can't make too much of excuses of the yellow card. I just uh, I, I'm not a hundred percent behind the idea, but I think Queensland in a whole will be disappointed and and say that their defense was ugly when you look at it. Yes. Onto you, my man. You can take us away because it's really your your route to to, right. to 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 take it. So the good um, is, uh, I'm, and I'm going to surprise you here because you're probably going to think always going to say New South Wales winning four zero or Nathan Cleary showing up and silencing his critics or something like that. I'm not going to say either of those things. Neither of those things are my good for the round because enough other people have said them. Enough other people can carry that torch because it's the truth. What I am going to say is my good for the round is rep round as a whole. I absolutely loved it. I think, sure, the time could be a little bit better to allow some of these Blues players to also play for their rep team. Uh, but I don't think it's the biggest issue in the world. You know, uh, Daniel Tupo uh, 
missed out on playing for, for Tonga. Katoni Staggs still could have gone in and played, um, even though he put his hands up to put his allegiance for the Blues. I think maybe some of the uh, selection um, policy could be a little bit better. But I think Rep Round as a whole was awesome. And this is on the men's and the women's uh, side of things as well, because um, we didn't cover it in our earlier recap, but the uh, Kiwi Ferns also played uh, Tonga and won and 50 to 12 there as well. There were some games in the Northern Hemisphere, but who cares about that? Um, <laughs> but I think Rep Round as a whole was was awesome to watch. Like, it was all really high quality footy. Uh, I loved watching the, the women's game as well. Uh, and I think it was a really good showcase for, for Rugby League. And the administrators of the game should be uh, very proud of the product that was put on display uh, in in these games and you know yeah you're gonna we're gonna have the controversial yellow card call i'm actually surprised there hasn't been more uproar about it there was a, a bit of stuff in the commentary box but i do like what you said that um that's what it would be at club level and i think yeah you they either need to it's it's the policy not the referee in that case and in which and which i like you know the, i think the referee had had a decent game there were some you know questionable things on on both sides i guess but i think it was consistent can I? Yeah, I, I'm just going to ju- uh, piggyback off that point. I actually think it was the best, one of the better ref origins I've I've yeah. ever seen. Like, you can say, oh yeah, you know, like I know Fatty uh, um, was talking about, oh no one knows what those penalties are for, but they there were some like yeah, if you if you if you'd sit down and you kind of really watch the ruck closely. It, it did. It was scaring me a little bit that we were going back to the wrestle because uh, there was yeah. some moments where it was a wrestle, and I think uh, it was it was Ashley Klein that refed. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, yes. but I thought it was so it was. well refed. And, and again, I was probably on the the losing side of the the penalty count, but I just I think it was like even I know we can discuss as well that four pass at the start, but there's no mm. clear evidence there. I don't think he's in line with it to make that call. So you, it's it's one of those ones that you probably can't make that that call. But I, I like I think it was just so well refed, and I hate when we come out and it's like. Oh, this call wasn't right, or that call. A ref's not going to get a call one hundred percent right every time. Yeah. But I think, looking at that game, he probably did. Like when you look at the rules and you look at there, I go, yeah. I don't think he missed the call. And to to any news article that writes, oh, the ref did this, I think it's just a it's a joke now. Like the game was what the yeah. game was. That was I think that was so well ref. It was out of his hands. Like the way New South Wales played. And I think to do it off the back of game one where he did cop a fair bit of criticism and I think they NRL even said it was some legitimate criticism because Freddie put in some from formal complaints. Now we haven't heard anything about Billy Slater doing the same, so I think that says something. Where whereas after game one we heard very clearly there were gonna be some discussions around that. So to come out uh in, in the second game and to put on a refereeing performance like that and it, it's you know, we have to understand referees are people too, and this is their their jobs as well. And, you know, we talk about, you know, players coming out and back out performances or turning it around from game one compared to game two, like we talked about with Nathan Cleary. We can also say that for the referee, uh, Ashley Klein as well, who had a, a improved game. But yeah, the, the entire rep round, I think, was um, awesome to watch. Uh, it was great to see uh, that level of footy uh, across many different nations as well. So I think that is my good for the week, is, is rep round as a whole. On to my bad. Um, look, there's actually not a whole lot of, of bad this round, I, I think. You know, you could say, obviously, as a Queensland supporter, you could say the results were, weren't so great. I think, for for my mind, when I think about the, the bad about this round, I mean, I think it probably comes comes at actually to be the, the media 
and like sports media around uh, around rugby league especially. Um, I'm going to call out Fox League here because Fox League, uh, the biggest media outlet for for rugby league um, alongside Channel Nine, but uh, and they do this wonderful thing where they'll take one sort of snippet of a quote and plaster it everywhere, completely out of context. And it it look it that's what they need to do to generate the the media attention that the game needs. So I I, under, I understand it, uh, but a lot of times they just create a storyline and drive it into the ground, like Nathan Cleary after game one and like questioning about his credentials and everything like that, so on and so forth. And I think we're seeing it now on the flip side with um, Queensland uh, players as well. And, you know, what was Billy thinking with these selections or just like, and, you know, oh, historical loss and things like that, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the media, look, I love the media building interest in the game. Uh, so I'll never tell Fox League to, to stop because I think they are really carrying the torch for rugby league and keeping people interested in the game, keeping people interested in the personalities, but maybe just tone it down a little bit. It's just a little bit too much. Yeah. Right? I like that, just, I like that just, statement. Just, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Just tone it yeah. down a little um, so bit. That, yeah. So that's my bad is the media coverage is that you just blowing it a little bit too much. Just tone it down a little bit. We all know origin's exciting. We all love uh, hearing Phil Gould and saying this is origin and missing rabs on the call and whatnot, but just, just tone it down just a tad. Take it from a 10 to a 9, and we're good. Uh, now my ugly for the round is uh, the the injuries off the back of, of um, rep round. Um, for me, seeing Ben Hunt uh, cop, cop a heavy knock is never a good thing as a Dragons fan. Uh, but the fact that uh, in Game 3, Queensland could be without Caelan Ponga and without Cameron Munster. As a New South Wales fan, I don't like that because I I want to win against a full-strength Maroon squad. I don't want people to be out there saying, oh, well, you know, it would have been different if Ponga was back there or if Munster was back there. I mean, of course it would be different if they weren't back there, for sure. But New South Wales has to contend with injury news as well. We had to play without Jack Whiten, who was our best player in, in Game 1. So I, I, I really I, the ugly for me is the injuries, and it's you know usually when we talk about ugly, it's someone's fault for things. Like we think that um, you know it, it's usually this the ugly is sort of the personal responsibility one. Like this player should have done this, or this coach should have done this, and they made a mistake. My ugly for this is not a mistake on anyone's behalf. It's not anyone's fault. It's footy. People get injured, but it's ugly for me to see that to see these special players getting injured. It's it's good in a way because it shows the heart that they play with and how much they're passionate about representing their state or on the international level playing for their country and things like that. But it is ugly to see that. Um, I mean, injuries in general are always just ugly. It's ugly for the game because we lose seeing um, incredible talents and they lose out on playing the game that they love. So for me, the ugly this week is the orange is the injuries out of origin. 100%. Uh, couldn't agree more with you, especially around injuries. You, you want to be able to beat the best team and you don't want to be able yeah. to beat them because they didn't have the right players. Uh, okay, I, the I've got only, The only caveat to that and the only exception to that is uh, when the Wallabies play the All Blacks, I hope every starting All Black is injured <laughs> so the Wallabies can just win one blood as low. That's uh, it, that's it. And then after that, I'll get back up on my high horse. But yeah, that's, that's the only exception and caveat I'll put into exception, my... To my exception to your yeah. rule. Yeah, nice, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of questions lined up uh, just yep. for, 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 for discussion purposes around State of Origin. So, obviously, White had missed this game due to COVID. Latrell comes mm-hmm. back. Who are your centres for next game? 
Matt Burton and Latrell. Matt Burton and Latrell. Fair enough. Matt Burton and Latrell. I think Crichton drops out of the squad because Latrell is that good. It depends. Well, depends depends on. It depends on how fit Latrell is and how he plays at club level. Yeah. Right. If he could get a couple of games under his belt and be really good, I think he comes into the squad. Um, I think, unfortunately, Sifa Talakai is dropped for White on the bench because I think White provides a bit uh, more versatility and he he can do what Talakai does in terms of positional coverage of back row, uh, outside back in, or center back, and uh, also in the halves and things like that as well. I think he's built. Like that, he's not built like Talakai is, who's a damaging runner. But then you've also got damaging runners in there like Junior Paolo, uh, Jake Dubrovich had some big runs, Cam Murray and Liam Martin did as well. So I think yeah, you you put um, Jack White in there and he kind of becomes a ball playing uh, second row. So sort of what like Queensland did where they shifted, where they got Harry Grant and Ben Hunt on the field at the same time, and Ben Hunt sort of shifted into that uh, ball playing back row position, sort of like Isaiah Yo does for New South Wales. You just have another one of those guys on the field. So that for me is how how we how you do it. You have Burton at one center, uh, yep. Latrell at the other, and then you have um, White on the bench for versatility. But pending, of course, Latrell's uh, injury. Now, if Latrell is still working his way back, he's still not 100. percent I think you start Crichton, still keep White on the bench. I don't think White starts. I think White yep. is on the bench because I think he will provide more off the bench than what um, uh, than what like say Crichton would do off the bench because Crichton didn't provide that much off the bench. I think Crichton needs to get involved early. Um, yeah. and he, he showed that as well. And I think Crichton just needs to play at center the whole game and not just like come on as a center or come on as a utility player. Whereas White, I think can come on as a utility player. Yeah. And I sort of go back to, um, your discussion about, uh, Richie Moonga or Bowden Barrett at starting 10. And you made the great point that, you know, Richie Moonga will provide more off the bench than what Bowden Barrett will do because of the, that's the style of play he is, and he's just such a damaging individual player as well. And I think that's sort of similar with Whiten, is that I think he like he could very well start, for sure, but I think it would be better for the team overall if he came off the bench. No, fair enough, fair answer. Um, my second question now, uh, I'll see if you, if you, if you know this, um, and I can give my input if you don't. So, yeah. say Munster and Ponga are out, and again, if you were a Queensland supporter... Mm. Mm, who do you think yeah, okay. goes in there? That's a big if, big if for Queensland supporter. I think Valentine <laughs> Holmes drops back to Valentine Holmes drops back to fullback, right? Yep. And then you've got to fill a centre position. Uh, just trying to think of of centres for Queensland that you could pull in. Hammer, right? Philip Simon. Yeah, you could pull. Yeah, Hammer. Hammer's definitely up there for me, and I th- I th- I think he would probably fit in there pretty well. I think Hammer's even played fullback. Before hasn't he as well? Yeah. So you could even you could even put him back there for a bit of pace at a fullback. But I think I'd probably put Val Holmes back there and then Hammer at centre because Holmes has played more fullback and he's probably a steadier head at the Origin level because he's played more Origin. So that's what I would say for filling the fullback. Now for the six jersey, uh, I would probably say AJ Brimson because he's played there in origin before. And I think Queensland won the game. He played six for them. So enough, he's, yeah. he's he's won at origin because, because Cam Munster had to go back to fullback yeah. because Cam Pong was out injured then. And Brimson had to come in at six with Cherry Evans at seven. So I think Brimson for six is my first thought. I mean, Sammy Walker's origin eligible as well. You could, he's been playing decently well, so you could see him there as well. 
Reese Walsh is an option. He was he was in the extended squad, I believe. I'm pretty sure I saw him he hanging was, around yeah. the sheds in an yep. oversized yep. hoodie like a dickhead. Um, so you could, <laughs> you could you could you could you could put Walsh in there because he's been in the camp. Tommy but Dearden. My mind, there's Dearden as well. Yeah, he he's there and he's 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 been 18 for the Cowboys. He is. Yeah, he's playing at six as well. So yeah, you've got a, I think you've got a number of options there, and I don't think any of them would necessarily be the wrong choice, but. It's just not the same as Cam Munster, obviously. No, you never, you're never, you not going to get any player that will replicate Cam Munster because he is unique, as unique of a player as you will you will ever see. He and Nathan Cleary are, are yin and yang, really. They're two different styles of footy, and they show how you can have two different styles of footy, and you can both be the best player in the game week to week. Yeah. Right? Cam Munster is obviously free-flowing, indivi- a bit more individualistic, but provides for his team as well. Whereas Cleary is precise executes everything at a hundred percent level, but also has his flashes of individual brilliance as, as well. So uh, yeah, you know, Cam Munster leans more on the individual brilliance and is also a five eighth, whereas Nathan Cleary is sort of a half back, but also has flashes of individual brilliance. So I don't think there's anyone in Queensland that can uh, replicate it. Uh, I, but of all the players that I listed, I think it would be AJ Brimson that could kind of get the closest because he has also played fullback before he's got, mean pace on him as well so that's why i sort of went brimson because he's sort of the closest you can get and i think that queensland depends a lot on that out of the six jersey and you look at the history of the six jersey in the maroons and it sort of fits that as well yeah no i mean i didn't even think of brimo to be off here i think that's how shit that team from the gold coast has been going that he slipped down yeah. in my mind so i think if i was to choose i'd probably go dead in six uh and hammer at the back and go, let's hope that Hammer can bring some X-Factor uh, to that back position. Yeah. Uh, I know the, the the talk of the town is that maybe potentially Corey Oates comes in as well for Murray Tuolangi. I don't think Tuolangi had a terrible mm. performance, but um, we were severely, severely outmatched by the back three of New South Wales yeah. and metres and post-contact metres. So I think that'll be an interesting talking point as we lead up to the decider. Surely Rapes comes back to commentate one last time as 100 for the decider. Um, if you didn't think the narrow was scripted, amazing. if you didn't think the narrow was yeah. scripted, uh, you're about to see it. We're getting into another conspiracy yeah. theory here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty crazy. And then if he left it on exactly 100, 100. state of origins called. So and imagine that that was the plan all along. That would be yeah. that would be pretty in, amazing. I think it would uh, would be quite quite the song song as you, as he heads off to the mm. the, the sunset. Uh, anything you know what else? Queensland could do? Yeah, Queensland oh. could just put Billy Slater back at fullback into the old coach captain uh, Co- combination. Coach captain star player. He he still looks in yeah. shape as well, so he may be the best oh, number yeah. one out there. Um, is Joey Manu? Eligible for Queensland? No? Okay. All right. Good try. Uh, (laughs) um, No. Anything else that you had, you'd seen in the sporting world, Husey? I haven't picked up much. Yes. The NHL uh, Stanley Cup finals finished today, which the Colorado Avalanche beating out the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, Then we had the NBA draft. Uh, We had an Australian go ninth or tenth overall, I think, which was pretty great. So a bit of a surprise um, well, as well in that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what was his name? Um, something Dyson. I want to say like. It's Dean. I, I want to say Draymond. Yeah, yeah. I want to say Draymond okay. Dyson or something. Let's go like uh, that. Uh, Dyson Daniels. That's what it is. Dyson there Daniels. Go. There you go. Dyson. I, I knew it had Dyson. Yeah, we knew it was double D's and Dyson. <laughs> um, no, we're not talking about Tinder dates, but yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so another Aussie getting picked high. Uh, 
hopefully he goes the way of Paddy Mills and not the way of Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, so. yes. 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 Excellent. Alrighty, another week done. Uh, there'll be a lot of talking yes. points kind of coming up to next week with State of O and the first week end of uh, international rugby uh, back, mm. uh, and that'll be big. So stay tuned for that next week. But for now, thank you for joining us as always. We will see you then. Goodbye. Peace.